0: Welcome to the CEO Stylist Podcast, where two unlikely CEOs come together and rewrite the narrative of what it means to be a CEO stylist. Yvanka Loria and Kirsten Harris are on a mission, giving stylists permission to join the movement of artists breaking the mold of what is meant to be for the hair industry and creating the life and schedule of their dreams. Fast forward through many failed attempts and lessons learned in the process. It's time to level up the playing field. It's time to call BS on what's been done before. Yvanka and Kirsten are ready to share it all, defying the odds of the industry and teaching you how to do the same.
1: Welcome back to this episode, CEO Stylist Podcast. I'm your host, Yvanka Lauria, and I've got my bestie. I normally call you Kerr, but should I introduce you as Kirsten Harris? That sounds so good. How do you like? Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. Well, we're finally getting our ry- rhythm going. We had a few technical difficulties today, so we're back on our uh, podcast where we're able to see each other like a Zoom call, which is still exciting. We're still gonna deliver. And today's episode that we're covering, this is another spicy topic and something that's very dear and prevalent to both of us. It's navigating empowerment versus entitlement. It's a big one. It's, it's a big one. It's a big one. one to unpack. It is a big one. There's such a fine line with it. Um, and, you know, we just want to, we get, well, I personally get so many messages and questions from our community and our stylists and stockers, always asking questions. How do we navigate this?
0: So, my question to you is this when we say entitlement versus empowerment, what do you actually mean what 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 area
1: or what angle are you coming from oh god all angles so really you know we're here to sh- share tactical business tips mm. but i feel like this is such a prevalent thing that happens, you know, it happens with kids, it happens in workplace, happens with older generation. Like you said, it really can happen across the board. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just recognizing it, what it is, because it's so you know, it's such a big thing now on social media. It's such a big thing in our community where I you know, that's part of my key messaging is empowerment and working smarter, not harder. Yeah. And, you know, as we go into the episode, I'll share also how this empowerment backfired where it became entitlement. So, and if I, I want to add to it, cause I'm going, I
0: probably am going to come from a, a voice of reason with this being on both sides, you know, typically if, if I talk about the workplace for our listeners that have got businesses, typically, you know, it's our millennials that are labeled, you know, but I'm finding more and more, there's a bit of both. There's a bit of generational entitlement that sets in. And I think that it's a label that's really grown legs in a workplace. Mm-hmm. That we, That's what I want to unpack. And so we're probably going to have very different mouthpieces on this today because I feel I I see both sides and I understand it. And it's probably something that's become very passionate because I'm have a genuine interest in being able to shape and nurture, you know, that millennial mark. I've got kids as well. Like I've got a, you know, 22 year old son. I hear conversations that come out of his mouth, but it's like, I can't pull him up on it because
1: that's, His perspective. And I just want to say on that, I think we can do better when we understand more and we can deliver it better once you can articulate and communicate it better. So, um, you know, I think it comes down to asking a question Are you that entitled shithead? Like, do you get too confident and feel like things are owed to you? is a big thing and I think also like I'm gonna come from a perspective first in the workplace because like I said, it's so important what we're doing with our messaging where we're creating artists, we're talking about self-worth empowerment but it's such a fine line. It really is a slippery slope to it. So I remember when I was younger and I was working in a salon and we were all, there was about three or four of us that were commission-based and we were on the 50-50 split when that was the time and place. You know, it's, these days, they don't do it as much unless you've got a full clientele. But I I, I think I was always coming from a perspective because I've always been around, you know, my dad who was in business. So I was never as savage as some of them. But, you know, even me, I've been that a-hole as well where I look back now and I think, oh, my God, like, I remember having those thoughts And it was just something as simple as like, you know, thinking, I remember the, the, you know, business owners would say, you know, some weeks I don't pay myself. And I was like, what are you talking about? So I remember in going back, that was savage. And I remember them, you know, saying, giving the owner so much shit and, you know, thinking, and this is the entitled mindset where they're like, you know, he's making more money than, you know, he's, he's making more money off us. You know, that, that mindset. business owners are rolling in cash because they make. They're rolling in cash. And it's almost like they're benefiting more than what we're benefiting. Back then, I still remember listening to them and thinking even then, I I actually backed the boss back then. I was like, you guys, you know, you think it is, you think that they're earning, but once you understand, you know, the business components, because I don't think anyone's ever going to understand until they actually run their own business, the expenses and the risk and everything that comes into it.
0: Of course, but you, but you had, I guess, a, a walk-up start because you, you were born and raised in a family-owned business. So maybe it was table conversation and it was pretty open. So I saw the other side of it you, very early on. Yeah, you had quite a unique perspective and a mm-hmm. realistic approach to it, but that's not that's not the majority. That's and right. And it's not an age. It's not like I just think, typically our millennials have been labeled that because it's, you know, and that's where this thing's growing legs mm. because it's like, you're young, you're stupid, you don't really understand. But I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that now. I think it's at all levels and I think entitlement comes from a notion built around fairness and that's where it comes from. Like listening to you, it's, you know, what's
1: fair is it's not fair that I'm doing all the work and the owner reaps the rewards. Hundred yeah. percent. Exactly. And that comes down to the perspective. Because I think also here's where the fine line happens where you give someone power. And so to me, self-empowerment is when you do better, you grow and you help others, right? Mm. That's entitlement to me. So, you know, when when you're giving, you know, team members or someone power, and then they get demanding, or they get lazy, or they get entitled, that's where it's a fine line, you know, and just to give you an example, like you've been a part of my business for so long, and you've heard, and I've never really publicly spoken about this, it's been an internal thing that happened, you know, with me, and I've never again, label or put names to people, it's just an experience, because I feel like sharing my experience could help someone else out there who might be going through it. And this is where, you know, when I first started, everything just snowballed. Like everything just kept growing so quickly that I had to very quickly, you know, get off the floor and grow a team. And that was probably the biggest pain point for me me, because when stylists see me, the owner, as them and then I have to grow into a leader, it's very tricky because you have to change that dynamic and you have to put systems and processes in place so that they understand what's happening. And me wanting to get off the floor so that I can, um, you know, focus or stop focusing on the nitty-gritty and really start focusing on the big picture and the vision and the education and everything that, you know, kept was able to grow my business to the next level. And also at the same time, the way that I would see it is that it's also giving the young ones opportunity that I never had. Because I knew very early on with extensions, with the business model that we created, we were able to you know, help them achieve a lot more than what they were normally achieving in a salon by doing less clients, achieving more, they're making more in their service, you know, by the end of the week, they're double tripling what they're making. And then in, you know, the way that I would see it and the way that I presented it from very early on is if I win, everyone wins. Mm. Right. And then I had a second year apprentice um, and this is very unheard of, but a second year apprentice that i you know, we built up, very quickly through training. And when I say quickly, a lot faster than what a normal apprenticeship scale would be because you know what it's like, everyone's so busy in the salon, everyone's you know churning and burning clientele, whereas well with this, we had the capacity and the pace to be able to grow the young ones. And shit, our second year was already on the floor. You know, in second year already doing clients and already doing extensions and already charging two, $3,000 for a set of extensions. Mm. so this is my just this is just one experience doesn't mean that it's across the board but this is where I had to scale back and I had to learn from that so she was so I'm going to stop you there and just throw a bit of spin
0: so she's helping you grow this new salon business and she's collecting the ticket at the end of the service and it's you know it's an obscene amount of money by comparison to a general salon where they're collecting three or $400 for a color, right? You're now talking two, three, upwards of three and a half thousand dollars. Mm. I want to stop you right there.
1: What do you think was going through her mind? Oh, they, just, they just obviously just are like ching you know, like they, how can you not, how can you not see it? I know you can't, you don't blame them, right? They I, see the them, so I didn't think of it because It was just that's what I was promoting, like it's, you know, working smarter, not harder. I mean, this kid was 19, 20 years old. Mind you, I had known her mum, we used to go to school together, you know, and her mum ultimately ended up having a salon and I used to say to her, like, you know, you can learn this, you can go work for your mum. Like I didn't didn't ever have an issue. Mm. I'm I'm all about growing these young ones, getting them to a place where they want to be able to be independent and, you know, be able to have the opportunity to do this on their own or do it, and do it through me, but they don't see the back end of the business. They don't see that, you know, in order to have built this, this is where the entitlement um, comes from because they see their clients or the clients that they're doing as their own clients, Of course, which ultimately that's they that's one argument, but yeah. also they don't see on the back end or the systems and processes and marketing that you're also doing on the back end to get those clients through the door. They
0: don't have any outgoing costs to accumulate. They've not done any self promotion. Literally these clients are falling in their lap, so to speak, or in their column.
1: Correct. Because it's generated by the good Will of the business, and at that point, I was the one doing all the social media. They, you know, they barely even were probably they were taking maybe a photo or a video. I was the one taking the content, editing, putting it up, and not to mention, you know, just a just to paint a picture. Like when you open up a salon, even though we started a home salon, in order to get that salon salon just up and running, cost me from home eighty. I think it was between eighty to ninety thousand. Right. Then you look at it as um an extension educator. In order for me to pull these extensions off, you know, we had to have deep pockets and we had to not have the money, we had to borrow the money. So in order to have exclusive rights, you know, we had to negotiate and you can't you can't do this lightly. Like we had to invest, you know, at that point three, four hundred thousand in the business and also to be able to um Take the risk and the investment on us to be able to employ to give this opportunity in the first place. Mm. So if you can have a look at a scale, we're already three, four, you know, four hundred thousand in to even get this operation up and running. And these young kids are looking at it on a different, you know, they're looking at it through a very different lens. They're looking at the top line, like that'll be two thousand
0: dollars, that'll be two and a half, that'll be fifteen hundred, and going, man. You must be rolling
1: in it. A hundred percent. You're balling in it. So as a business owner, you know, I never felt comfortable. You know, even now, like, I don't even feel comfortable. I know there's some business out there that share all their expenses and, and what they're, you know, putting into but it. But it wasn't really the school that we've come from. In the beginning, I wasn't doing that. Yes, So Um, You know, they had their KPIs. I understood KPIs and how to set their KPIs and, you know, what you do in salons for them to, in order for them to even keep their job, what they should be doing. But this was out of the ballpark. Like for a second year, you know, just to give other listeners who are listening, a second year is really at the basin or just not at the basin, but they're they're the support staff. They're the ones that are supporting stylists to do what they do best. So it's very, very rarely that they're even making their KPIs. You know, a general second year, you know, what would their kpis be you know maybe a thousand mm. or fifteen hundred to start with and they're only able to achieve that through you know blow dryers or upselling you know treatments or whatnot so you can see like this kid was you know bringing in three sometimes three to five thousand a week yeah right so you can imagine and just to keep it loosely some weeks you know for a second year she was making like close to twelve to fifteen hundred a week which is just unheard of and that's what
0: i was going to say because you know, we have this thing called the award. And once upon a time, that's what we kind of used that as the guideline to pay our employees minimum level three, four, five. And that was 10 years ago. That was probably satisfactory. But now in today's environment,
1: mm-hmm. and the
0: cost of living has just skyrocketed. skyrocketed. No way, There is, I can't, it's not foreseeable that majority could uh, or would, accept hmm. that kind of income. So 100%. this is where we've got to close that gap, right? And it's, you know, that conversation about entitlement versus reality. Reality. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know,
1: because, because the cost of living has gone up,
0: cost of running a business has gone up. But even in
1: saying that, l- let me get, because this is a really, really important part. So what happened, yeah. you know, with, with during COVID, like everything, everything went up. Everything went through the roof, our expenses went up, suppliers went up, uh, shipping went up. So we had a 30, 40% increase that we just couldn't absorb anymore. From a supply perspective. Supply perspective. That's massive. That's a was, massive increase. It was massive. And we, yeah. we just couldn't absorb that. And it was like, you know, do or die. Because once you know it, this all comes down to numbers. Once you start earning your numbers, um, which is, you know, an important message in this episode is know your numbers because then everything after that is a never emotion. It's never an emotional decision. Mm. It's always understanding what your numbers are, and that's what you know. This particular incident, even though she saw that it was two three thousand, no one saw on the back end of what my expenses were to to actually have the cost of hair as a supplier because everything that we were making in the salon was going towards purchasing more stock so we can have inventory that, you know, my staff have the privilege of, you know, having access to a hair library, which most salons wouldn't even dream of investing in the beginning, you know. So that was that mindset shift where I was providing all these opportunities for not just for myself but for them as well, but I was carrying the risk. Of course. Right? When the spike happened and we had to, you know, put the prices up 30 40%, I was very conscious and I was shitting myself as well back then, but it taught me a big lesson because I was like, shit, we're going to lose some clients over this. But it's just what you have to do in order, if we keep going, there's no point in being in business because what's the point of being in business if you're not turning profit? This particular incident, this is where, you know, the second year got entitled because what she did was so unfathomable. Um, and, it, you know, the more the more businesses I speak to, everyone that will come to this in their business at some point where it happens, where you get blindsided. um, mm-hmm. And in this particular in- instance, we had clients, you know, we we blasted out an email marketing you know, not not over-explaining, but just being, hey, because you see it now in the industry, everyone's over-explaining why they're having a price increase, mm-hmm. you know, and you don't want to sit there and justify yourself, but in a way that we've been able to articulate it in a way that makes sense. Yeah. Right? And there was a couple of clients because we blasted our emails, we blasted our text messages, and some clients didn't. Obviously, not everyone checks their emails and not everyone checks their text messages, so we couldn't personally call every single client. But when they came in, we were able to tell them, and there was a few clients, you know, that were like, you know, because 30, 40% increase is massive. There was a few clients that were like, oh my goodness, like that's massive, whatever. And then this particular stylist that worked for me, right, was getting their phone numbers from our work phone and secretly messaging them, offering them cheaper services, to because um, her mother had a salon down the road and was offering them, or basically saying, because I've got the message eventually, which I'll get to. So she was saying, "Hey, I understand that you know the prices have gone up through the roof, but I'm happy to do your hair cheaper outside of salon hours." Right. Right. That's. Right. Okay. I'm like, okay. Keep going. with a big no-no. It's instant dismissal. It's fraudulent. It, you know, what does that fall under? In in um, definitely not entitlement. That's just blatant, blatant stealing. But it's a it's a mindset of entitlement.
0: Like they're entitled for it. They're entitled. Is it because it was her clients in the salon in your environment in your salon that you owned? She was
1: messaging her clients out of her column. Yeah, and well, this particular clients. client was a salon client that's been to, you know, a couple of other stylists. So that's where, you know, yeah, this aligns oh, the yeah. lines on so many different levels. Yeah. But I think the core element in this, from my perspective, and there's so many lessons in this because at the end of the day, you know, she's thinking that, you know, she's going to get this client because clients want cheaper. Clients don't always want cheaper. You know, they come here because they want the best. Mm-hmm. So you're already positioning yourself you know, in a different ballpark figure. So what happened in this case, this particular client went to another stockers, told another one of our stockers, and he got back to me. Because, you know, most people that are in business, they know, like, you cannot do this. People get sued over this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, this, this is a big, you know, line in the sand of what, what not to do for a business. And at the end of the day, we speak about it. Everybody has a right to do their own thing, but do it off your own back. And I think that's where entitlement comes in. That's one form
0: of entitlement. And um, I'm probably not prepared to share my story in this podcast, but I've, you know, my story, I've had a direct experience from that, that ended really poorly, that came from a place of, well, you know, they're my clients that I'm servicing, therefore I can do what I like with them, Mm -hmm. which means I can take them away and set up my own business. But I want to add a difference. Is there any more
1: to that story before? Well, I just want to say in the the end, once I realised what the person, like once I realised what she was doing, like I was almost in disbelief. I was like, no, this person wouldn't do it. But I had to get that message in order for me to really understand. And once I confronted, this is the thing, once I had confronted her, Mm. there was no remorse. There was no accountability. There was just like blank expression. And then even after she had left, because I clearly said to her, this is where, you know, I could have gone down the legal course, but what am I going to go up against a 20-year-old and a 20-year-old for what? I just, I was very um, mindful that this experience, that she was going to have her own lessons in life because once you put that energy out there, it's going to happen to you one way or another. Yeah right? So that was a big wake up call for me, because it made me rethink now moving forward, how was I going to not recreate the same mistake again? Yeah, And, And this is where to me, entitlement comes from, you have to earn it to respect it and to have gratitude for something.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now I want to flip it to a different perspective of entitlement now. And and as a business owner, and you have a team, and you know, I'll co- I'll come back to my comment that I made before that typically our millennials have ha- are carrying the label of this sense of entitlement, and we're going to go straight to the core of the issue around what is my worth in a business, and I wanna I want to give two perspectives on it because I think that the per- perspective of when an employee feels like they're worth more in a workplace mm. and. I've, I've always had the belief that entitlement is built around a sense of fairness. You know, so entitlement perception hinges people's interpretation of what they're worth. So, you know, you've got your employer with a job and like whether or not it's your marketing team, it's your on the floor, because let's like, let's just shoot the award out of the water. That's mm. that's a baseline, but literally I don't think there's many salons out there that they, they use it as a guideline, but there's, I don't think that they would keep employees for too long if it was just you know, on that alone without some form of commission structure, at least. But, you know, there's that we've both been in a situation, I guess, where we can share those experiences. And I'm going to go to the employee first. They're employed today. They're given a job description. They see all their co-workers. They're two months in and they go, well, now I want more. Now that they want to come into your office. They're asking for more, Mm -hmm. more money, more responsibility. And it's kind of like, I think... My issue with it, it comes from a place of not validating what they're doing first. Mm. So you're not even clearing the baseline. Does that make sense? Of course. So, you know, we've had a recent experience, I guess, where it's a conversation that comes up about, well, you know, I've got a degree now or now I'm worth more.
1: Mm.
0: Mm. Okay, cool. But what are you going to do more to, to get that? Because, you know, and I, and I guess I'm going to, target the employee in this case and give a word of advice. It doesn't matter what position you're in. I think that you've got to come from a place, if you're going to go into your boss and say, I, I um, expect a pay rise, I want to pay, I want a, a, a review, a performance review, because there's an expectation that there's a salary review with that. You know, it's like, well, it's reward for effort, right? Because as a business owner, we're looking at outcomes. So reward should come from outcomes, output, not value, self-value. So you know what are those what are the obligations on an employee to deliver the specific outcome? So I I just think it's a big gray area and, and oftentimes it's a lack of transparency. So you know for our employees out there that are considering this kind of conversation, I think to go into your boss and say, I deserve a pay increase because I think I've done a great job and I want, you know, what she wants out there. And, you know, it's not validating what you've done first. So come in and validate, get seek validation from your boss about input into the business mm. to get a sense of value before you go, I deserve a, mm. a salary increase. I feel like that's probably step number one. The other thing is I always think that you've probably got to bounce it off a cohort, like get a couple of trusted people in your court that you can bounce this off of because sometimes it might be a very skewed view on self-worth, self-value. Like, and when I say
1: self value, I'm sure because, like, it. you're saying there's the job value, what the job is worth, and then yeah. people are mixing up what they value because we're talking yeah. about self worth and empowerment. So, really, it's around you know, it's reward for effort
0: and outcomes, hmm. that's where it should be based. I've always considered that. So, I think employee going into your boss, asking for a pay increase, seek validation first for what their contributions sure. mean and are they delivering. Equally, when I look at it from an employer's perspective, oftentimes it comes, you know, when they're confronted by an employee in their office and they're asking for a pay increase, and we've all been there, right? It's It often comes from a lack of clarity around expectations in a job role. Sometimes the person can outgrow the job, Oftentimes it can be the job can outgrow the person if you're on like that growth scale. So, you know, but I, I always think it comes from leadership, in leadership capacities, we have to live and breathe that vision and those values every day. Make sure expectations are, are set. And so, and, and welcome those conversations, welcome the conversations, but, you know, they're going to be really challenging ones with employees where they're going to come in and ask for happens, right. yeah. but lead them in a, in a way that they're like, okay, cool. So this is an outcomes base. It doesn't matter about who's getting what out there because they're on their journey, but what more are you going to do? And sometimes it can just be simply the position is worth this for budget constraints or whatever. Mm. You, may have, you may have done a really cool
1: job as a leader to grow that person. They've now outgrown the job. Mm. And also in saying that, just to look at something where you can measure, you know, in a sales role, you can measure what they're bringing in their return on investment, because anyone, you can pay anyone anything as long as they're bringing the money in, right? Outcomes based. That's That's how it should be reviewed. But then there's also some like admin roles are very different because there's no return on investment. It's task based it's
0: again it's still out it still falls in that outcome bucket it, they might not be generating an
1: income but there's definitely an outcome there they have a, a different stack of, of course but it's not a monetary outcome where you can clearly define what they're bringing into the business so there are some roles that we've even had to learn we've had admin staff of a lower level you know and we can only x that's the budget of that role you know yeah. and then they started looking at what the hairdressers are doing and the hours that the hairdressers were doing it's always that Comparison, and we just said, listen. At the end of the day, if you want to make what the hairdressers are doing, this was an ex hairdresser. You can go back on the floor because labouring. You're gonna you're gonna have to make these different hours. You make more. It's a different structure. As whereas with this admin role, this is what the job requires because the job was nine till five, and the hairdressers were doing four days a week, and they were comparing so again it comes back to but this is what the role is this is what the budget is for the role and there's no hard feelings like if it it doesn't suit for you if it's not you know what you think it is then that's where you have to have that open and honest conversation I feel to help them understand yeah and then they can make an informed decision because you're also being like you say transparent that's it. But it really
0: does come from a good place of leadership, though. Like to have it those awkward conversations not making it so awkward for employees because everyone wants to feel like they're contributing and they're adding value mm. and then being valued comes secondary. Of course. So adding value first. I think everyone wants to like mm. general good – human beings want to make a difference in the world
1: but i think also this is where i feel like it's got a bit skewed and everyone's looking at that shiny object you know this is this is the basis of what we're trying to say to anyone whether you know you know and this is the thing this is the reality i think we're all now in a position of business owners or entrepreneurs and everyone you know gets you know gets inside their feelings And it really isn't about feelings because how many times as a business owner, you know, if you have a behind the scenes issue, whether it's IT, um, you know, banking, uh, bookkeeping, you might be doing an extra 20 hours a week on top of what you're doing and you're not getting paid for it. Mm, So, you know, there's things that you have to do sometimes like apart from the glamour, of what something looks like. And again it's perception. There's so much grit and grind in order for you to get into a position where you are earning more money because simply you're you're much faster and you're you're more productive at earning in order for you to charge that. But it has to start somewhere. And this is where I feel like it's gone a little bit backwards. And I think with me, you know, going back to that story, I just gave up I gave it out way too quickly without any yeah structure little and strength. It was milestones because they have yeah. to work for it in order to accomplish it, in order to set those goals and achieve it, right? Yeah. Otherwise, it's like, it's like our kids, you know, we always have to reel them in as well. You want to say something? Go for it. I do
0: want to say something because you you made a comment then and I went, oh, hang on, and this is what? This is our generation. So this is where the gap is, right, and it's closing that gap. Our generation was very, and I'm like a few months off 50. You're not that far behind me. What was the one thing that your parents said to you as a little girl that you had to do when you were a grown-up? To get what you want, what that you can So that is ingrained in us. Work hard. If you want to get somewhere in life or if you want something in life, you have to work hard. And I think this is where I'm quite passionate about this. I think this is where business owners get that role because they instill that their own belief system that they've possibly been um, grown up they've grown up with that belief system that your team have to work hard as well to get what they want, which is not necessarily true because we have to adapt to this new generation because they ain't doing it the same. It's not to take away from them that they're not working hard. They're not doing what we're doing. Like we, I started working when, There wasn't even a computer on a desk. Fuck, I sound old now. (laughs) A fax machine. So it's not taking anything away from the younger generation, but Mm -hmm. be very careful as an owner to ingrain that belief system that you may have been raised with. Mm -hmm. Like, I guess what I'm saying is you don't deserve that because you've got to earn your stripes like I did. And there's, that's a bit of a slippery slope. A hundred percent. necessarily
1: hanging on. To it's a, a fine, it is a balance because I've gone the opposite where I want to over-empower and give them the opportunity, but yeah. there's still a roadmap to get there, right? There's milestones
0: and that's what I come back to. You've got to lead with the vision, and it ha- you have to give absolute clarity. Conversations when they're in the ro- in your office asking for something because they deserve more become very simple because it's,
1: again, outcome-based. Uh, it really, really is. I don't think anybody's success is 100% self-made, you know, and entitlement really dust stem from ego. Because when, like you say, when, you know, when the, girl, the girls come in here or when anyone ever asks me about, um, you know, a high wage, I never... I, I try to see it from their perspective as well. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, you have to meet you have to have a human to human conversation and then you also have to have a business to business conversation. Because there's two very different key elements. So like you say, when they come in and you're preaching empowerment and you're preaching self worth and you're preaching, you know, work smarter, not harder, mm-hmm. it's our responsibility to be a lot more clearer, yeah, you know, on what that actually means and how we're gonna help them get there.
0: Yeah, no. How are they also going to help themselves? So validate oh, yeah, the sense. outcome mm. first before uh, I'm, I'm speaking to the employee now, validate the outcome first, make sure that you've met those basic milestones mm. without charging in and going, I'm worth more because my mate out
1: there on the floor. Oh, is looking, I agree. And I think also, you know, sense of entitlement at work, you know, when, when staff are putting their needs or team members are putting their needs before the needs of the business, is where you have to draw the line in the sand oh yeah right and i can just give you you know a couple of examples now because a lot of these young ones you know in order to make it they have to start doing things you know remember back in the day if we worked for a company we could never work outside those hours they owned you they were like you need to pick and choose either you're with me or go do your own thing Yeah, And there's such a fine line because at the end of the day, I'm all for people doing their own thing on the side as long as it doesn't affect what they do when they're with you. That's a good thing
0: about, I guess that's the safeguard of a service-based business. You know, I I can imagine operating an office now of employees that, you know, COVID allowed for flexibility in the workplace and that. You know that I think we've just had to adapt as business owners to that, but in a service based
1: business, particularly in hair and beauty, mm-hmm. you still need employees to show up if you're going to run a team, of course. But I feel like it also in our admin business if girls are doing their things on the side and then they're getting so overwhelmed and they're not, you know, like it, it is, it is so blur- blurry. And to be really fair and honest, we're still trying to navigate it. We need to know when to push and pull and when to accept things and when to not accept things and when to say, now what you're doing is maybe. Feeling over and you're not able to focus when it comes to doing what you're because it's all about you know meeting deliverables and um you know like we always say it's you, there's still expectations in your role so you, anyone can do whatever they want you know in their time but you know you've got to be also careful that they don't have um a misguided perception because they're also helping you build but you're also helping them build so it should be like a respect it's just a respect thing and there there shouldn't be you know before in the you know in the workspace it was very much the the business had the power and the pull. but now it's been shifted but again when it goes too much where the staff are having and they're dictating and i see it happen all the time and this is what we're saying we're leaders and business owners they're held hostage by their team members, that can't happen.
0: I feel like that's gonna be a whole nother podcast. <laughs> that is another whole podcast. So I, I think like the key message, but before we flip to empowerment is for business owners, I think we both agree that, you know, to have clarity in the business and clarity of expectations amongst your team mm. and equally um, team members, because we always feel like, you know, We're worth more and we're giving. So for employees out there that are considering that awkward, tough conversation with their boss about validation and asking for a pay increase, think about your outcomes first. Think about what you've contributed to that. And if it's fair, because it comes from a place of fairness and equally like, you know, that it comes down to judgment, right? At the end of the day, your boss will decide based on their set of values and their judgment whether or not that's justifiable that's as it is but you've got to come to the party with clarity around how you're going to get there what what you're going to do to to to, to. I don't know whether deserve is the right word to use, but to <laughs>
1: meet those new expectations. Because mm, with more money, with more, you know, it does come with different it's different still different, different, different set of responsibilities. Yeah. 100%. All right, let's flip to empowerment. Let's so, flip to empowerment. So I think for me, can I go first? Are you so, empowered? I'm no, no, no. empowered because I feel like true empowerment is honestly gratitude for me she always wants to go first go on go first i I know you love this (laughs) to grow better to have more open i feel like more opportunities open up and there's more room for you to grow and then also you're sharing up with everyone else around you to me that's what true you know even what we have there's just no bullshit there's no competition when you're voicing this
0: who who are you voicing this to in this instance are you talking to fellow salon owners in this case from this sense of fairness and there's something in it for everyone.
1: What, I don't think it's a message to be shared, like what true empowerment actually means, mm. you know? So I think, um, again, it's across businesses, it's across how you are in your relationships, it's how you across how you really are as a human being, mm. right? Because I used to look at, uh, at business owners back in the day and I remember thinking, geez, like they're in a position but they're freaking assholes, yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, so that's entitlement over empowerment. Exactly. That's entitlement. It happens at all different levels. Not yeah. just not just teams and stuff, but it can happen also, you know, you've seen it in relationships with male female energy, masculine female like energy where someone yeah. is more empowered and someone is more entitled. Do you know? It's such such a blurry line. But what's your take? What's your take on true empowerment?
0: Well oh, look, I just think when people have a sense of empowerment and I'm going to put my flip to the work, a workplace um, uh, concept that when they come from a place of empowerment over entitlement, they're generally one that they come from a place of confidence, but I feel like they're an individual that, that embraces success based on effort So they're very, they have a self-awareness about what the journey of success looks like Mm. instead of it coming from a place of entitlement where it should fall on your lap. Oh, I love that.
1: That's, that's worded so perfectly. Like, yeah, that's probably
0: like, that's to me, that's the basic sense of empowerment in a, in a workplace. Mm -hmm. And like you say, entitlement, when you're constantly feeling like you're hard done by or, or your own something. That's it. You know, there was something that I read and I I put it at the top of my notes and I'm going to read this to you because it's probably quite pertinent now. I'm not the creator of this one, but I wrote it down because I'm like, I'm going to share this. Mm -hmm. If I spend my life constantly calling in imaginary debts that aren't owed to me in order to avoid the real debts that I owe to others. And so everybody ends up bankrupt. Hmm. It's so true, right because it's that plate it's the difference between entitlement and, and empowerment That's spiritually entitlement
1: bankrupt. Is,
0: Yeah like you're, you are owed something whereas entitlement uh, empowerment is you you'll constantly strive towards that success. you understand that pathway.
1: Hmm.
0: So um, I think it's a really liberating feeling when you you step into that power. And you can only, you know, you can, it doesn't matter what family values you've been raised with. I think that mm-hmm. you, can, you can recreate that self-awareness of of what you want. So I think, you know, in, in theory, unsuccessful people approach the world with a sense of entitlement, whereas successful people approach their world from a sense of
1: empowerment. It's true. And once you learn... You know, I mean, I've, I've been studying successful habits and people and mindsets. So to me, it just makes sense. You know, when you see successful people, really successful, and what's successful, it doesn't mean that because they've got the shiny objects or the fast cars because they could, it's a perceived success, right? But when they're truly doing something to better themselves and bettering the people around them, to me, to me, that's true empowerment and true success.
0: That's right. They've got the grit, and they're putting in the effort for the outcome. They're not living in a sense of expectation. That's right. And gimme, give gimme
1: give gimme give more. That oh, sounds like yeah. Brittany. Sounds like Britney. It's amazing. Well, I think that's a wrap. I think we've we've left some beautiful golden nuggets along the way. So we really hope that this uh, episode has sat, helped someone out there navigate, um, whether it's in their teams, whether it's in their personal life, um, and we hope that yeah, we hope that it, it it's given you some insight into it yeah. as well. And
0: lastly, I, a big request from us is if you're enjoying listening to our podcast, please. Give us a five-star review. We'd love that. That really helps us. And we'll keep delivering the best content we can. And, um, yeah, thank you for listening. Thank you so much for listening, guys. We'll see you on the next
1: episode.